1: is the Michael K. Show podcast. Listen live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York, the ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker.
0: Hey, Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN. Well, it's a story that certainly
2: takes the air out of the room, takes the air out of everything. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, despite only four wins, they just dominate uh, the landscape and the conversation. And, you know, the big story reported yesterday that Zach Wilson was hesitant to uh, take the starting job, uh, then was uh, talked into it, so to speak. And the the person at the forefront of the story is our former colleague, now with The Athletic, uh, Diana Rossini, and she's nice enough to join us now. Diana, it's Michael, Don, and Peter. How you doing? Hi, guys.
0: How's everyone doing? It's been a while since I
2: talked to you guys. Yeah, a a lot has gone on, but uh, you know, I I used to be a reporter, Diana. And when I had a story cold, and then somebody came out and said it wasn't true, it just infuriated me. So Aaron Rodgers kind of saying that, you know, um, he never spoke to Zach or anything like that. What's what's your whole take on, on the Jets' response to what, what you reported yesterday?
0: Yeah, I think the Jets have to go out there and deny it the way Robert Sala did yesterday, the way Aaron Rodgers did today. Although they didn't actually really deny this, the accuracy of the story. It was just more uh, about their issue with the leaks that are coming out and that information that's getting out of the building. You guys have been playing Roger's interview with the Pat McAfee show. And when you really listen to what he's talking about, he, he's mad at the Jets right now that something like this that can make a player look bad would even be given to reporters. Um, and that reflects the state of the team. And I think right now everyone's just trying their best to try to figure out, you know, what was it a player Was it a coach? Was it a trainer? Was it somebody that works in security? I can just tell you that it was multiple people um, that are very aware, because the entire building has been aware of this for over a week now, that Zach Wilson has had reluctance to wanting to go back in there. He's expressed it openly uh, to people. And from his side of it, I think you guys have, I'm sure, discussed it about how, you know, maybe he has a right to stand up for himself because of the fear of being injured. He knows he's not going to be with the New York Jets once he was benched. Once he was benched, it was over for Zach Wilson in New York. And I understand from his perspective of why he was perhaps contemplating going back in there. But then, of course, you have that other side. So, uh, you know, the Jets wanted Aaron Rodgers to talk to him, coach him up a little bit about why you need to, um, you know, make the right decision here Mm -hmm. for the team because they need him they in their opinion Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in that building at this moment and they want to put him back in there
3: no Diana that's the one thing he did refute though he says he never spoke to Zach or that he was ever told to speak to Zach so I guess that's the one thing that he did say that that you were misleading at
0: yeah that's so, okay doesn't want he doesn't okay. want to share that he has that much influence and power then it also confirms my report but he was told to speak with him last Wednesday and he spoke with him yesterday um, about changing his mind. And I was actually even told that it didn't even work, uh, initially that Zach said, thanks, but no, thanks. Um, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. Now, uh, someone from Zach's side of this did reach out that if he was going to be named a starting quarterback, he's going to get out there and play. And he's now changed his, his mind on this and we'll be doing it. So, um, Look, Michael, you, you just mentioned that you've done this before. It's, it's frustrating because I don't think people can see through it. That's where it's frustrating. Right. But the Jets know I know, Zach Wilson knows I know, and Aaron Rodgers, once again, has gone on television to refute a report that's accurate, and he knows it, and he just won't admit it. So I know he wants people to put their name on it, but he can also just acknowledge that, yeah, right. they could have easily come out here and just said, yeah, he was contemplating it. How could he not? Um,
2: what used to gall me, Diana, is that when I had a story called that somebody leaked to me, and then the person that leaked it to me said, Well, that's not true. I mean, that happens too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The guests were well aware I was reporting this. Right. And, the guests are and no, Diana, very, very well aware.
4: So, Diana, here, here's the part that I've been sort of miffed by. Like, I sort of feel like if, if the angle Zach Wilson was taking was I'm tired of playing games with you guys you bring me in, you take me out it's it's not fair, it's not reasonable do what you want, I'm moving on I feel like that sort of plays one way but then what we heard about like he's scared of getting hurt plays another much worse way w- was it a mix of both things or was it really just he's scared of getting hurt from what you know
0: yeah, it, it's both it's both, it's, it's how he's been treated by the Jets what he knows to be his future with the organization mixed with the risk that he would have to take going back in there for a team that no longer wanted him, no longer wants him, and made that pretty clear. And then to have to go out there behind an offensive line that that isn't great. And they're aware of that. And so it, the reason why this story I think is so sensitive at this point Uh, Yes, there's a factor of of what Aaron brought up, which is Zach's character. But really, this isn't about Zach Wilson. This is about the New York Jets. This is about what's happening in this building at this moment. The decisions they made at the quarterback position, the lack of decisions so everyone can get mad about the reporting and the sourcing and all this stuff. This isn't any person in the media's fault. These decisions were not made by us. The Athletic didn't pick this. Uh, They chose this. They did this. Um, so I think for Zach Wilson, he's unfortunately uh, uh, just a, a small piece of really just a gigantic uh, dysfunctional organization at this moment.
2: So let me let me go further then beyond this story. So the, you're talking about how dysfunctional it seems. And from the outside looking in and you're you're more in than we are. It does look dysfunctional. Do you believe that if they end up four and 13, that they're going to be changes or are they going to run it back and just gamble on Aaron Rodgers?
0: The sense I get is that as long as Aaron wants the people in place to be where they're at, the coordinators, the head coach, the GM, if he wants that, ownership will will then agree to that. Aaron Rodgers has all the power in the New York Jets organization. Amazing. If he wants it, they'll do it. Now, is your there's, sense, there's, Diana... There's, there's the- no,
3: like... Go ahead. Uh, is, is your sense that this power that Rodgers has is, is being forced or manipulated by Rodgers or just the power just comes from the fact that he just gives them the best chance to win and they have no other choice?
0: No, I don't think he walks around with a crown on his head like he's the king of New York. I think he's respected because of the caliber of player he is and his understanding of what a culture should be, a winning culture, what it should look like compared to what it's been. You know, stories that I have been told about how Aaron Rodgers has affected this Jets organization in a positive way is overwhelming. I've never covered a player that has changed the way people operate on a daily basis by him just being in a room. And that's credit to what he can do. And this is why he gets all the respect and why everyone is making so many excuses for some of the things he says and some of the shots he takes because he's that good of a football player. And he has this uh, magnetic way to be to, to lead. And they need him for that reason. And as long as Aaron in New York, they're winning in their minds because of this effect. And this entire year was built around him. And now, obviously, with him being gone since week one, you see what happens when an entire organization built something around just one person it completely falls apart. So the hope is that he gets healthy. He gets ready to go. He comes back next year and everything that we saw this past season in terms of the staff and the way it looks will be in place for next year. And they'll just run this back.
2: Now, one thing that he said today to McAfee that kind of struck me as, as a former reporter, you know, it's wrong to assassinate Zach Wilson's character um, because of a source. I find that laughable. I mean, I blame the source. I, I did agree with Rogers on that. You know, your source and put your name to it if you really want to assassinate his character. But it's not up to you to protect Zach Wilson's character. That stuff was talked to you, uh, told to you by somebody. So do you, when you, you hear him say stuff like that, what, what's your reaction, Diana? Yeah, Michael,
0: I, I, I work for The Athletic, which is owned by the... I can't just take a word or just a text message or one quick phone call or from just one person close to Zach Wilson or one person close to the Jets, it doesn't work like that. And I think sometimes people forget because there is so much bad journalism out there right now that it's hard to trust. Um, But I can tell you, I've been working at The Athletic for three months, and it takes a lot to get a story um, published in terms of the screening of it and, and the people that have to be part of it. And so, and it can't be low-level people. It has to be people that are in the situation, that are close to the situation, it has to be multiple. And and that's why I stand by my reporting, because as you know, when you have all the information and all the main players are aware of it, um, all I can do is just report what I know. And that's what I've done. And. Look, the Jets have to do what they have to do for the to clean this up because it looks bad right now as they're trying to just get through this regular season so they can just get to next year.
4: Have you been able to glean anything about what the hell has really happened at quarterback beyond Rogers? because Diana, we talk to Coach Sala every week and kind of try to push what exactly is happening? Why are we not able to get like any sort of representative? offense uh, on this team. What do you understand about what's happened at the quarterback position throughout the year?
0: They're just struggling in general with having someone step into the role and play at a high level. Um, Why didn't they go get Joe Flacco? I don't know. They never even reached out to him. Um, There were a lot of different reasons for why they didn't Go to certain players, and I I don't know what they all are. Uh, I don't know who had all the say in all of this, but it made this mess. You know, going back to before the trade deadline, why aren't the Jets trading? Well, it's from from the business side of it, um, at the time, hey, you know, maybe they just don't want to give up all. Of, they don't want to give up anything, knowing Aaron's coming back. They don't want to have to pay another guy. In and in I was buying it because it was like, okay, well, you, you guys know your your books better than I do. This would make sense, but we saw what happened after that because there is a need at the quarterback spot, and, and Zach Wilson wasn't the answer then. He's not the answer now. He's not going to be the answer this weekend if they name him the starter. It's been known, and they really, in in my opinion, I don't know this. This is just my opinion. I think the second Aaron Rodgers went down, they all just ran to the corner and said. Let's just hope we can get through this year. Let's just get through the year because we can. the expectations now um, are impossible to live up to because we don't have one of the greatest uh, players to ever play the game on the field.
3: Well, how bad would that be considering look at the league. Look at the teams that have been able to win with backup quarterbacks, Diana. Look at the teams that have been able to function offensively with – Awful quarterbacks at times, and they've got one of, if not the best defenses in football. So to run and hide and so just get through the year, they had they had ways to salvage this.
0: We saw it last night, Joe. We saw it at the Bengals. Joe Burrow is not out there, and the and the Bengals are winning. Um, I covered the, the you know the, the Cleveland Browns. I cover all the teams, but I talked to the Browns a lot. Four different quarterbacks. They've got they've been able to put together, and and they have a great defense too, just like the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, the culture there is not. Oh, we don't have a quarterback. The culture is: we got to just keep winning. We got to win. Let's just keep winning. And and you know, all around the league, you're seeing it. And it's hard. It is hard. You you feel for these guys. I I think we all feel for the Jets situation, knowing how excited they were and what they were what they did to get Aaron Rodgers in the building. So to see that the way this has looked, and Aaron said it on the Pat McAfee show: this has been a horrible year. And and you you felt it when he said it, because this is not what they were hoping for. And and the fact that this team has looked as bad as it has after Aaron Rodgers went down, um, you know, I think that's the reason why we're seeing so much of, uh, I guess, the ugliness and the blemishes really come out.
2: We appreciate you coming on. I know you got to pick up the kids. Uh, love talking How do you know to you. That? Uh, because no. I know these things, you know. I'm a r I got a source. Peter like, can't so, keep his mouth you know, shut. You
0: reading my text messages on the air? Yeah, that uh, you know, sounds uh, like another
2: talk show host. In town. Yeah, that, that happens in New York. <laughs> but thank you for coming on.
0: I love of course.
2: And happy uh, happy holidays. Yes, happy
3: holidays. So, so that's
2: Diana Rossini. One thing, I, I think she got a call. which What she said, The Athletic is owned by the New York Times.
3: Right. That guy, so, that got lost. Right. The so the
2: New York Times, I, I think you have to have like two or three well-placed sources yet to tell the editors exactly who the source is before it can run so it's not like you could get you know bernie the janitor told you that this is what ha- it has to be somebody that's deemed a uh, high-ranking person mm-hmm. in order to run with it so i think the jets are just trying to put a spin on this guys
3: yeah and you know what rogers is smart in a sense that there is so much bad media out there as diana said that it's easy to kind of poke holes in any story Not realizing how vetted some of these stories are by professional organizations, likely athletic. So you have so many blogs and even radio stations and newspapers that don't vet these stories, and and bad things end up happening through that. And there's enough of that there that you can get the general public to not believe anything that is said by the media. We've seen this in politics as well, but... You know to know that when when she gave that story and it's true about how hard they worked to to verify everything and for her to say this is not one person telling her this it's multiple people this is all over the room Michael she spoke with conviction that's why she with confidence was able to to tell that story this isn't some disgruntled employee whispering something in her ear this is something she found out from multiple sources she did the work Aaron should really apologize to her because because unfortunately Aaron's words have power and he and he's wrong to try to bring her down on a story that she did the work on and then also denying that he spoke to him and then
2: Diana said I know for a fact that he did yeah. so well again, like you can say what you want be, you know, because the way it is now we have been drilled in this country To think of alternative facts, fake news and all that. So whenever you get zapped or you get caught, just say, you know, what it was A.I. It wasn't me. I wasn't there. I mean, and and it's hard for people to believe. They don't
3: know who to believe. And the New York Times does get things wrong every now and then. But like Diana said, Aaron Rodgers, of course, is going to deny that he spoke to Zach because that would be confirming the story. Right. So he had no choice but to deny that. But, you know, just from
2: hearing Diana, Zach doesn't look good. I don't want to play. Oh, I... open. I, well, on
3: Once I saw her name on it, honestly, I'm not just saying this as a former colleague, but I, I know her work. I know her. She's really good at what she does. I believe the story. I believe it even more after hearing
4: her. But but the, she added that little wrinkle to it that, like, this was just straight-up common knowledge. He wasn't... That's why she's so confident. He wasn't being tight-lipped about it. He was telling people.
3: It's how he felt. All right. So let's spin this back right, to solid so- from yesterday. Uh, uh, we, real quick, I'm, so, I'm sorry. You know better than me, Michael. As far as the time, I, I won't say anything then. Okay, because it's, we have our our special guest coming. That's up. what I mean. So that's why yeah. I want to step on. Your
2: yeah. Um. I listen. I'm, I'm going to say it right up front. I love this guy's stand up, and I watched the two episodes of Bookie that are available on Max. And you saw him at the Garden, too, didn't you? I did. I did see him at the Garden. So I've seen all of his specials. I, I think he's great. So I am not going to be um, unbiased on this. I think he's terrific, and I'm so glad that he could join us now. Here is Sebastian Maniscalco. Um, the new show is called Bookie, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But, Sebastian, it's Michael K, Donald Greco, Peter Rosenberg, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me here today. Um, this show is unbelievable. I mean, it, it's, it's I guess you'd call it a comedy, but it's so gritty and real uh, what's your feel about you know what you've done so far on the show?
5: You know I'm really happy about it. It's uh, I, I really have a great time uh, shooting this. Uh, Omar Dorsey and I we we hit it off right from the the screen test. I felt like I was hanging around with a guy I knew for ten years, and uh, I think you kind of see that in the TV show. It feels like uh, we've known each other for a while, and uh, just to get the to To explore the world of gambling uh, upon pending doom in California here, where legalized gambling could happen at any minute. Uh, I like it. I mean, you you see a bookie who's got a sense that he's he's sensitive. You know, he's got a he's got a stepson who's a little off the beaten path. He's in the anime. He's dressing up. And, you know, uh, you you see him try to be a father figure to this kid. Uh, He's not only navigating his professional life in this show, but also his personal life. He's got a, a wife that wants him to maybe get out of the business. So. Yeah, I've I've never seen a show that dealt with like a, a bookie in this way, and the fact that Chuck Lorre is behind it, and Nick Bakai, who's also a writer who's very familiar with gambling, uh, it's uh, it's exciting. It, it, it were seems- you?
4: Uh, oh, sorry, Don. No, go ahead, um, Sebastian. Were, were you Were you close to this character? Did you know any bookies coming up? Uh, Obviously, that used to be a thing that was very common that, you know, one day people won't even know about the the bookie life. But was it something you saw and knew growing up?
5: Uh, I never used a bookie. I knew guys that had a bookie, uh, particularly in college. Um, I I went more towards the table games. I used to gamble in Las Vegas uh, and try to win money. So I didn't have to work at my day job so I could concentrate on um, comedy and that didn't work. So uh, <laughs> I I found out the only way you win at a casino is you you perform there. That's the only way you walk out with money. So uh, that's the that's the route I took. But no, I, 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 I yeah, it, it worked out for the better. Um, but no, I, I, I don't have any real experience you know calling in you know at 11 45 going yeah give me the bangles and the over you know i i i no i don't i don't have that experience i
3: I think it was tim allen that said that um when he was a stand-up that he felt like if i just go out to hollywood i think they're just giving out acting roles when you get off the plane Uh, obviously it's not that easy but we've seen so many stand-up comedians become actors what is it about stand-up that makes the transition so seamless
5: well, for me, it's not seamless. For me, it's. Uh, it looks seamless. I got a lot of anxiety that. doing these uh, <laughs> acting jobs. Um, I like acting. I like exploring different characters, um, but I don't have a lot of experience doing it. And the more experience I, I I have, the more confident I become in this in this side of the entertainment business. I like acting because it, it takes me away from stand up and you can't always do stand up. You, you got to come up with material. There's other there's other worlds in the entertainment business that I like to explore. And when this opportunity came across, uh, Chuck wanted to do the show. I, I actually pitched him a show centered around my life. And then he came up with this and I go, man, your idea is a lot better than mine. I'm, I'm actually kind of tired of playing me. I did it in about my father. I did it five years ago, six years ago in a, in a pilot that we did with Tony Danza. So this was a nice departure for me of not to have the pressures of playing me and playing another character. So, yeah, I don't know. I I like it. I like this show in particular. It shoots in L.A. Uh, so I, could, I got two kids. They're six and four. I got a wife. It's nice to come home and sleep in your own bed. About my father it was uh, nine nine weeks in Mobile, Alabama, wondering <laughs> what am I doing here? I got a family, uh, so, so this was this was nice. I was a lot a lot more at ease on this shoot than I was ever before.
2: You know, you said that you know you still not real comfortable acting, I, but I mean about about my father, you're, you're opposite Robert De Niro.
5: I mean, how intimidating was that then, Sebastian? Very. Um, I, you know, I'm sitting there going. Can I pull this off? I'm I'm arguably acting with one of the best actors of all time. He's playing my dad. My, my dad's on set. My, De Niro called my father and said, listen, I need you on set to kind of teach me how to do hair because there was a scene in a salon. And my dad calls me. He goes, De Niro wants me to come for three days on set. How much does that pay? <laughs> I go, what? I go, Dad, you're helping me out here. He goes, I don't care what I'm doing. I got to take three days off <laughs> to come to Alabama. What am I getting? So I had to pay my dad and act like it was studio money. Um, so, yeah, it was surreal, man. If you would have told me uh, growing up in Arlington Heights, Illinois, that I would be starring in a movie opposite De Niro playing my dad, I would have told you, you you were crazy. Uh, but that that experience was a learning experience for me. I learned a ton from working with De Niro. Uh, there was a point where I had to cry on, on, on camera. I never I never did that before. He he walked me through that whole process. So, yeah, I, I felt like I took that experience and built upon it uh, for this show, Bookie. Were you comfortable uh, with the nudity and about my father? Were you comfortable being butt naked that wasn't me no it was a a, a fake butt we brought in a stunt butt for that (laughs) scene oh man and my wife was actually upset she goes i I don't think the butt really resembles yours, <laughs> so make sure you tell people that that's not you. I got that though. Yeah, she was concerned about. Yeah, that was that the was the realism. Like, she, yeah, uh, she was like, oh, that's that's not really you. I go, not Well, that's not going to be me because uh, if you put me on one of those jet boots, for sure I would have broken half. <laughs> so, Sebastian, as you know, comedy is an interesting
4: field, the way people sort of emerge. You know, I feel like by the time I got to really know your comedy, you were already in the garden and my and my niece and nephew and people were already saying, oh, my God, Sebastian Maniscalco, people already loved you. You had the special in 2019. Obviously, your story is much longer than that and goes back to the early 2000s. Was there one specific moment? when the comedy grind really took a turn for
5: you and momentum really started going your way. Yeah, no, I felt like i have been under the radar this whole time. I, I had my fans. I I worked the comedy clubs for over 10 years. I didn't even want to leave the comedy clubs because I was like, I don't know. Can I sell out the beacon theater? Uh, and then I made my jump to theaters. And then next thing you know, we're in a few arenas around it. it, it for me, it happened very slowly uh, where people, you know, are still discovering uh, my my stand up, which is which is which is great. I, I love when new people jump on board. So, yeah, I felt like you know I didn't really have some any mainstream recognition and. You get kind of mainstream by, you know, doing a movie, doing a TV series. You start to broaden your audience. I had a lot of people who come from an immigrant background who kind of like what I was talking about on stage just because it was relatable. And, yeah, I, I talk about being Italian, but if you're Spanish, you're Greek, you're Chinese, whatever whatever background, you have that, like, maybe immigrant father that you had that relatability with. So now that, you know, I, 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 I've i done some things that are a little bit more broader, it's nice to see other people kind of discovering what i do so yeah it's not like i popped i've been doing since 1998 i've been kicking around so uh it it took a while it's a tough time for comedians because
3: of there's a lot of sensitivity people get offended i mean how do you navigate through all that
5: yeah, you know what? You don't like to think. You don't want to edit yourself. I think as soon as you start editing yourself, you, you're you not funny. Uh, and unfortunately, the uh, the environment we're living in, and it's not the majority of people. Believe me, I'm all over the country. Uh, people are dying to laugh. People are dying to uh, They get sarcasm. Uh, and, uh, it's just, uh, this few people out there, not few, but I mean, it's just a minority of people out there that tend to take this literally and have a loud voice about it. And it's unfortunate because, you know, Don Rickles, one of my favorite comedians growing up, uh, he, he made fun of people. He made fun of himself. He did it in a way where it wasn't malicious at all. It just, you know, you just felt like, I don't know. It just it, it, it's it's unfortunate that we're living in an environment now where oh, can I say that? You know, what's that gonna do? Um, so, but do you yeah, do I you know.
4: sometimes cringe though when there are comedians? I, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to name names, though it'd be great content. Uh, does it ever make you cringe when there's someone who kind of cries? cancel culture and you go watch it and you're like yeah but your bit just wasn't good if it was done better people would have laughed and not been angry
5: <laughs> no no i you know I, it's funny you even say that i'm I, i'm not piped in so much to the comedy world where i i know who's doing what and you know I, i'd like to be it's not like i'm not supportive of my fellow comedians um it's just that I, I got a 6 year old and a 4 year old and a wife and that's where a lot of the time is spent mm-hmm. is dealing with uh with family like i'm going to see santa claus after this uh whereas when i was single maybe i was you know going to the comedy club hanging around with a bunch of different comedians but yeah i don't know comedians that say that it's cancel culture not that not you know, listen the the you, you got to work on your material what i've noticed today is yes you have a lot of comedians a lot of people are touring. You have a lot of comedians coming off the internet. But when I was coming up in 98, you had to go out and do the work. You had to go to a comedy club. You had to perform in a boxing ring. You had to perform on a crate at a restaurant in Santa Barbara for 50 people who had no idea comedy was even happening, right? You had to go through those moments to like, you know, build your routine. And, and, and but now sometimes it's the internet which makes people explode, which is great. It it made me explode. It it took my comedy and, and, and put it into another stratosphere. But there's no substitute for actually doing the work and going out and performing and you will be doing that it ain't right
2: tour 2024 sebastianlive.com com. you can get tickets i'm a terrible judge of this sebastian because you could put up a test signal with you and i think it's great but bookie is absolutely wonderful i've seen the first two episodes on max it's streaming right now there's there's a in the first episode Charlie. it's first or second episode i think it's the second with charlie sheen which is unbelievable especially with his history with chuck lorry i think it's gonna be a huge hit for you sebastian we thank you for coming on with us thank
3: you man
5: well thanks guys happy holidays uh merry christmas i don't know if i could say that anymore but sure merry you christmas. you're good and tell uh, santa we said hello <laughs> i will take care all
2: right be good thanks man that's sebastian maniscalco i i hey listen this is a sports show if you watch this show bookie and you, you think about it peter and don bookies are being phased out now i guess oh it's a still, great theme they they still bet with bookies because you don't get taxed if you win with a bookie so it's all under the table but most right. people are betting on apps but i guess um legalized gambling is not happening in california so there's a bookie there that that's you know it's he's he's, he's trying to keep it together until it becomes legalized so it's,
4: it's really I, I just, great concept i started episode one michael you're right it literally it jumps off the second you start you're you're in it doesn't it doesn't warm you up it it, yeah. it jumps right in yeah it's really good
2: all right so we've got a lot of stuff going on Rossini, maniscalco Kay Lagreca, Rosenberg, and you will come back. We got a lot to do, but first,
4: um, let's see. Dodge. It's People me. Can talk about Dodge. Yeah, you're darn right, I will. Hey, New York, let me tell you about Security Dodge. Ever wonder what the sum in come get some stands for?
0: Come get some. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah I figured it out. I cracked the code. It's selection. Sum means selection security has over 800 new and certified vehicles in stock when other dealers only have a few security dodge has a selection there's that word again selection come get some of the largest selection to choose from in the country shop 24 7 at securitydodge.com during the black friday sales event we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any
1: splash shifted the tempo another great cocktail from the hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liqueur bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely drink wisely thanks for listening to the michael k show podcast hey buddy Hey. catch the show on demand wherever you want just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts
2: all right, so we were talking about, you know, the in-season tournament, Knicks and the Bucks tonight to see who goes to Vegas. Uh, Indiana beat the Celtics last night. Uh, the Pelicans beat the Kings. And it was Monday Night Football, so our good buddies at Sports TV Ratings across the three platforms, Bengals, Jaguars on Monday Night Football, 16.45 million. Celtics and the Pacers, 1.063 million. Pelicans and the Kings, 741,000. Football's king. That's all there is to it.
3: And it just... and listen, the game may not be what it was, and there might be a lot of penalties. You, how many penalties did you see in that uh, Cowboy Seahawk game? Right, the fact that Al Michaels had to comment on it—it it still like broke records for Amazon. It's just, it, whatever it is, Michael, whether it's the gambling, whether it's fantasy, or just the fact that it's the perfect television sport. It, the, the games aren't inordinately long. There's always interesting storylines. And even with the oversaturation of games literally Thursday through Monday, there's just something about the once-a-week aspect of it that I just think is perfect for the the, the every demographic today.
2: Um, winter meetings are going on, and Dave, uh, not Dave Roberts, uh, Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox, said that he FaceTimed with Aaron Boone earlier today and Boone had a big smile on his face. He said, so I think something big is about to go down with the Yankees. Oh
3: boy.
2: That's- um, Boone seemed very confident. He, he spoke confidently about Yamamoto, said some things about Soto. I don't know if and when it's going to happen. I think the Yankees are definitely in on those two players. So we'll see. The, the, the strangest thing that happened today was Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, said that the Dodgers met a couple of days ago in L.A. for three hours with Otani. From what I know, guys, Otani does not like his business out there. So the fact that he said it might lead you to go two ways. The decision has been made that he's going to the Dodgers. Or the decision made they know he's not going to the Dodgers, so they're, they're at least saying that they met with him. Because everybody else that's met with him, because there rumors that he met in Dunedin with the Blue Jay brass, and when John Snyder, the manager of the Blue Jays, was asked about it, he he wouldn't confirm it because Otani wants to keep everything right. on the down low. So I don't know when that's going to break, but I think that when the Otani thing breaks, then everything else breaks as well. Because the teams that desperately want Otani, like the Blue Jays, if they don't get the Giants, if they don't get them, then they shift their focus to Soto. And that's that's the only leverage that AJ Preller has. Maybe those teams will put a better offer out there than the Yankees. But it's just strange that Cora said that you know he, he Facetime with Boone and Boone had a big smile on his face. Boone's a just a happy guy in general. But yeah, who knows. But I, I,
3: would he be smiling after what happened to his Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday? And that he I'll had look, another bad Monday Night Pick. Listen, are we starting to read into people's moods now on what's going to happen? That's,
4: it's, uh, uh, that's that no felt choice. a bit.
3: That felt a little bit reachy to me.
4: That I, 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 I rolled my eyes. I don't know if you could hear it, Don. But when I heard the, oh, the logic was we
3: heard that he had a smile on his face on a Zoom. I, that's kind of the same logic. When you know, Remember, Michael, you always bring up that, oh, Manning's going to go to the Dolphins because he's got a right. house in Miami. I, I, listen, we'll see. But I do think the Dodgers making it public they met with Otani does tell me that they're out or they know they're in. Because that was everybody was talking about the fact that if he leaks anything out, he's not going, which... There's a level of arrogance there, too. I'm just shocked that the Blue Jays are in the running for this.
2: Well, I've heard, uh, I mean, Jack Curry actually reported it today on on X that the Blue Jays spent like $350 million in redoing their ballpark. Mm -hmm. And they were still only 13th or 14th in attendance. So they feel like if they throw 50 or 60 million a year at Otani, that's going to open up a whole new, another market. People are going to come in droves, even from Japan, to come watch the Blue Jays play. Oh. So they think it's a big play, because they only have two years left
3: of Guerrero and Bichette before they become free agents. So they've got to make it happen. Right. The one thing I say about the Blue Jays is that it's not just about Toronto, which is a major city, and and there's also a, a great Asian community there, too. Is that The whole country. Could, you can own Canada. Yep. Because they are a national team in Canada. Now, what does that mean to Otani, True. I don't know. But you can be in Vancouver, you can be in Edmonton, and they've got Blue Jay games on and they're talking about the Blue Jays on sports radio because it's all they have from a baseball standpoint. And it's huge. And what happens in Toronto does gravitate around the rest of the country. So I don't so you can is that something important, to Otani, that he can like literally just take over a country there. From a sports perspective. I mean, the Maple Leafs obviously own Toronto, but they don't own Canada because there's other Canadian teams. But he would probably be as big as Connor McDavid is in hockey in Canada for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, you're talking about a global name playing there. That could make it very attractive for him to go play there. And it's a team that's – they're close, right, Michael? I mean, I know they've been banging on the door and they can't seem to be, win a big game late in the season, but they've been to the playoffs before. they got loads of talent. I guess that's the reason, right?
2: Uh, but, you know, it is weird. You know, he, he says he wants to win. You know, I, I was at a, a dinner last night in Stanford, and I was told that he's going to return to the Angels. So, I mean, so many people have opinions on this. So many people have different sources – but I was told unequivocally he's going back to the Angels. I don't know if that's true. Because if he goes back to the Angels, does he really want to win? Or is he just looking for comfort? Because well, I mean, the Angels aren't close to winning.
3: You know, it's interesting. When, when Machado went to San Diego, it was like, I guess he's not interested in winning. And the next thing you know, you know, San Diego is competing for the division and going to the playoffs. Uh, other than this year. Right? So, I mean, maybe you feel like that if he goes back there, he has some assurances that maybe they're, they're going to move into a different direction that he's been a part of for the last close to a decade. You get, healthy, you get a healthy, you um, get a healthy unit. Guys around him, uh, I, I, I guess it's not impossible, right? That he might be able to turn it around there. I I think it's impossible. It, really impossible. I
2: mean, I mean, he probably going to sign a ten-year deal, but uh, the, the Angels are so far away from winning. I know, They're in the same division as the Rangers, the Astros. Uh, I, I uh, Seattle is really good. Yeah, they, but they, you, they collapsed I, last year.
3: I know, but if you get the right people in place, Michael, right? Yeah, but they where keep were the swinging Texas, and missing. Where was where were the Texas Rangers last year? Where were the Arizona Diamondbacks last year? Um, so, uh, you, if you, I don't know why he would believe it, but if you do get the right pieces in play, I don't, I don't believe in you can never win someplace. Because we've seen the Saints turning around, the Patriots turning around. You know, the, all of a sudden the Texas Rangers are a major play. I, I guess outside of the, the the Jets here in New York, but for the most part, if if you get the right people, there's no curses. If you get the right pieces in place, well, maybe you can Ron still Washington
2: win. is that guy. But I mean, they've been trying for a long time, and they just I know. I mean, Mike Trout has three games of playoff experience. One of the greatest players we'll ever see. Three. Otani's never played in a playoff, so. We'll see if he goes back. The holidays are here. Let Omaha Steaks take the guesswork out of gifting. Shop carefully curated gift packages that are guaranteed to make spirits bright all winter long. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and save 50% off site-wide. Plus, when you use promo code K at checkout, get an additional $30 off your order. Send tender, juicy butcher's cut filet mignons, mouthwatering burgers, gourmet jumbo franks, Or even easy to prepare meals that are ready in a flash. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. This offer will not last long, believe me. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code K at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you're ordering the very best. And I am talking and speaking from experience. These steaks are delicious, delectable. The burgers are amazing. I mean, my family has sat down and had Omaha Steaks for dinner many, many times over the past couple of weeks. They are that good. They never, ever disappoint. Visit OmahaSteaks.com. Take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use promo code K at checkout to get that extra $30
1: off your order. Minimum order may be required. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Thanks for listening to the Michael K Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKSESPN. Happy to you. The twins' Happy birthday, birthday today.
3: we have Marco with us. Jalen couldn't be bothered. Marco wants my computer, and I think I should give it to him for his birthday.
0: How old are you?
3: (laughs)
2: How old am I? How old is Marco today? Is he six?
3: Tell tell him how old you are.
6: How old you
3: are? How old are you? Tell him how old you are.
6: How old are
3: you? He's sixty two years old. How old are you? I'm six. That's right. Nice. What do you want for your birthday?
6: I don't know, I forgot the whole thing.
3: <laughs> you didn't forget anything. You want a you want your um Titan clock man, right?
6: Yes, but when is it coming?
3: It's, it's wow. upstairs. We're gonna have a nice party after the show. Goodbye. Wow. The computer.
2: Bye Marco.
3: What a day! Oh, it was, yeah, it was quite. Does day. it seem like six years, Don? No, I don't know where it went. It's 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 so crazy that the years have just gone by so quickly. But I was I was really insulted in a major way during our meeting today, Peter. <laughs> if you heard, oh, me, I was. I yeah, was, I, I heard it. I had, really, I had, you're going to bring this to the air? I had to wipe my nose. Now everybody knows. We've said it on the air that um, uh, reading is not my strong my strong point. I'm a I'm a good reader, but these guys are terrific. <laughs> I think I read well, but not exceptional.
2: Well, I mean, you're a great reader of books, but when it comes to reading copy, sometimes you you, you have some problems. You know know
3: what I
4: don't like about it? You know what you implied, Michael? What's that? You, You implied that when Don got to the school to read to the kids he sat down and read a ramsey mazda spot and that's not
2: how it was
3: but he thought that maybe i struggled reading to the kids because at at the school they go to uh, uh,
2: what i actually said was don said uh, nancy and i went to the school to read to the kids for for their birthday i said i hope nancy did the reading and he got his nose out of joint he threatened to beat me up
3: i did i i dropped an f-bomb i threatened to 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 hurt him because I was, it, 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 he hurt me, Peter. He hurt me. I was on the, on the, this the, such a special day. Twins are six. We go to the school. We read uh, some books to the kids, and, and that's what I get.
2: Did you start off? Hi, I'm Don LaGreca for Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi,
3: I'm Don LaGreca for the dog eats a donut. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So wow. it's it, Michael. You said it. Everybody said it when we had the kids. It's going to go by so fast and. The fact that they're six and they're talking and they've got opinions now, which is a game changer. I know Paul O'Neill said that once they get wheels, it's a game changer. Don't listen to them, Peter. When they, be, when they have can formulate opinion, that's the game changer.
2: Right. Yeah, but once they start waddling around, then you, you, you have to constantly watch them. That's the game changer in terms of attentiveness. And they're laying in a crib. You, you know, you just have yeah. to check
3: in every now and then. I know, but the opinions, and, and they have a bunch they're Remember when like we used to dad. start our show, The Opinion? Start now. The, oh, yeah. yeah. Why, do, why do we stop doing that? I don't know. Why do we stop anything? So why thank you, Roger. Why thank do you we add anything? Me. Marco came downstairs home from school. That's why I'm home today, because we had to read to the kids, and we're going to try to have a, a party around me doing the Ranger pre and post, because work just gets in the way. I wanted to ask Sebastian Maniscalco, but you know we're running out of time with him. You know He's got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. He's 50. So he can definitely... Uh, sympathize with us Michael and Peter's gonna feel it too oh yeah
2: can't wait for that
3: oh you know talk about game changer
2: oh is he gonna change I mean he's late now all the time imagine with with a kid oh I I, I, I want this joy to befall he and Natalie very
4: soon I don't I don't know what you I mean I'm not saying that having children doesn't change everyone obviously it does I'm, I'm curious to what you how you think it's gonna manifest here you oh, might not. I mean, it's just going
2: to change you, that's well,
4: all. Maybe right. for the better, I mean, but maybe but for real, the worse. But real quick, I, I'm just, Don, can you humor me here, though? Sure. So I, I obviously, I, this is not my first rodeo. I've, I've watched everyone in my life go through having children. I've seen people change a lot. But I am curious. Michael, how has it changed you? Your life is revolving around the
2: children. I'm the most selfish person on earth. That's why we I didn't know, want to get we married. Right. So getting married... Has to make you less selfish just to have it work, but then once the kids arrive, it, everything is for them. Yes, everything. You can't. Oh, let's let's go out to. Well, I mean, to, to go out to a movie, right? You got to arrange for babysitters and and pickups and this. I mean, everything is a chore. There's not. There's no spur of the moment. Hey, let's go uh, ride the back of your belly for a sleigh ride. We can't do that.
3: Well, there's no more. There's no more sleigh rides. No more sleigh, sleigh ride. rides will end. <laughs> And um, also, the the here's the best way to put it, Peter, is that the stuff that you learn and you gain, the knowledge you gain in, in sports and hip-hop and just in pop culture out of just fun now becomes work because you're not going to have the time to do it and consume all this stuff. Because but you'll know be-
2: everything you want to know about Bob the Builder and Dora the Explorer and things like that. True. Now, you're a very selfish guy, too, Peter, so it's going to be an adjustment for you. Don's not as selfish as I am.
4: Hmm. Well, I, I also, fortunately, don't like to do anything. So this will. this. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to have to cut back that many activities.
2: Well, whatever activities you have, you're going to cut them back. The 2024 Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series comes to MetLife Stadium this winter for two games featuring four division rivals. The Flyers face off against the Devils. That's on Saturday, February 17th at 8 p.m. And the Rangers take on the aisles on Sunday, February 18th at 3 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at NHL.com slash stadium series tickets. Please, everybody, please keep it locked into the K Show today for your chance to score tickets right here on ESPN New York. We'll come back, reset, take some phone calls. We've got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff to do. Remind you about the holiday party. But first, Peter wants to talk about FanDuel.
4: That's right, Michael, because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over unders and more so visit fanduel.com slash peter and kick off the nfl season fanduel official partner of the nfl 21 and over and physically present new york first online real money wager only five dollar pre-game money line wager required ten dollar first deposit required bonus issued is non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com for help with the gambling problem call 877 8 hope or
1: text HOPE-N-Y at 467-369 thanks for Listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoons starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker.
0: Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.